Well, hello there, all you Watch the Tease listeners. I am your host, Pillow Talk, as always, and I realize that it has been a hot minute since you and I have sat down together in the podcast realm, since I have whispered some sweet somethings into your ear. But thank you once again for joining me, for still tuning in, for subscribing. So before we get into today's episode, which I actually recorded in January of this year, and I'm only getting to putting that out to you now, that in itself says a whole world of things. Um, Let me just say something really incredible happened, of course, at the beginning of this year. And that was something that I'm truly grateful for. And that is to be nominated amongst the top 30 non-performing contributors to the world of burlesque in the 21st century burlesque poll. Let me begin by saying that it is such an honor for my name to appear on this list. Honestly, it is something that I've been working towards for many years and something that I actually never thought would happen. So to actually see it in black and white, so to speak, has been truly an, an amazing experience. So first and foremost, I just actually want to say a thank you to all the artists who trusted me to engage in conversation around the art. And it's truly a pleasure to explore and shine the light on your creative resumes. Thank you to all the artists that I've spoken to over these last two years for your contribution to What's the Tease and the global burlesque scene. And of course, to all you listeners, Thank you for taking the time to enjoy this offering. It is a truly wonderful experience to combine my career in audio with my passion for nightlife entertainment in this way. I hope to continue to create this work and of course that it's worthy of recognition for many more moons to come. So thank you all for putting my name forward for this honor. And of course, I have to also give a shout out to my girl, Baby Ray, for being my greatest supporter and somebody who just pushes me to reach every dream that I have. So thank you for believing in me. I love you. And of course, thank you to 21st Century Burlesque. Thank you to Holly Mae Johnson, who I've actually had the great fortune of interviewing on this podcast. So thank you to her for her tireless work in putting out these lists each and every year. She's a one-woman show. As you know, you can have a listen to the podcast to find out more about her or also like tune into um, her Instagram page at 21st Century Burlesque for all the wonderful articles that uh, she brings to us. So though this season, season four's episodes have been coming to you a little bit more sporadically than you've been used to, I promise you that they will continue coming. A lot of us in this industry still have um, our by-day jobs, so my pillow by-day job is ongoing, and it's a decision that I've had to make. Interesting enough, when I got news of this fantastic nomination and appearing on the non-performers list, I was actually at work on a night shoot, and it was so crazy to be surrounded by people who (laughs) would not know anything about how much receiving this honor actually means so it was a very strange place to be feeling all these emotions inwardly and not being able to really express them with those that I share another passionate side of myself with and my passion for nightlife and what that is about and all those people that I surround myself 
in the burlesque world. So that was an interesting experience for me to go through. But at the same time, I did also realize that with everything that transpired from 2020 and throughout this pandemic, a lot of us have been forced to make some serious life decisions. And one of those is for me to kind of put some focus onto my pillow by day job and just give that some of my energy just in order for me to be able to rebuild and kind of, you know, I'm always, I'm always building that dream. I'm always working at building that empire. That's just a necessary step and something that has to happen for me. So unfortunately that does mean that the podcast needed to take a little step back. As I said, I won't be able to be bringing you this season's episodes as frequently as I'd like to, but they will be coming. That much I can guarantee you. The other most amazing thing is that so many artists and so many contributors are back and busy and doing their thing. It's also become a little bit more tricky to find times that work for both of us, especially when you're talking to people from across the globe and from all different factions of and walks of life. I want to continue bringing that diversity in terms of guests on the show in order for me to do that and in order for me to stay true to what I want to bring you, everything will fall into place and come in alignment when they're meant to be. So without further ado, shall we get to today's episode? Let's cue the music. Thank you once again to all the listeners out there for joining me for yet another episode. Today, I'd like to welcome to the What's the Tea stage, Filipino burlesque dancer, creator of fetish art and performances, Joyen. Hi, thank you. So, as I said before, just uh, thank you for taking the time to sit down with me. Of course. Thank you for the invite. <laughs> hey, you're the one who's made yourself known as a prolific burlesque performer out there, so I can't help but notice. No. <laughs> cool, so we'll get right into it then. As the first homegrown international burlesque performer to come out of the Philippines, how and when did you get your start in the burlesque art form? Okay, um, this is funny uh, because everything that I do uh, seems to have happened by accident. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, when when you live in a traditional uh, conservative country like the Philippines, um, we're usually groomed to be, um, you know, doctors, lawyers, mm -hmm. accountants, you know, the, the usual, the usual things. Um, um, in this age, I don't think people are familiar with burlesque really in, in in the philippines so it was unheard of to become a burlesque performer um but i guess though like um i don't know how it came about uh, maybe too much reading too much you know uh, graphic novels too much deviant art when i was younger when i grew up it just seemed natural to want to strip and do nude modeling and you know combine it with movement so um, it was just a group of friends and I, a group of friends and I, we, we just, with the same mindset, right? Mm -hmm. With the same mindset, we just <laughs> wanted to, to combine striptease and movement and I didn't even dance back then. Uh, we decided to um, form this, this show and, and pick a venue in the heart of the, the arts city here in, in the Philippines and mm -hmm. then 
so many people came. We sold out, you know, all of the shows that we signed up for, and then we were suddenly getting booked to go to all of these um, professional gigs mm-hmm. in Boracay and our beaches, and it was just, you know, it, it, it snowballed. We were, we were like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it all happened by accident, and it's a happy accident, I think. Um, I'm still reaping <laughs> the benefits. Of- to live our truth on stage and it became this thing yeah <laughs> so that yeah by accident <laughs> <laughs> amazing so seeing as this was of course a happy accident for you I take it that there was of course nobody in your immediate surroundings that you could look to for advice on how to go about making a burlesque show or becoming a burlesque performer yourself so who and what has inspired you on your burlesque journey thus far yeah, so when you're in the Philippines, yeah, there, there's just, you know, nothing's been done. <laughs> nothing's been done. That's why um, we, we did have trouble looking for uh, mentorship. However, there are a lot of uh, Filipina burlesque performers abroad. Mm-hmm. You know, there are, a lot, there are quite yes. a number abroad, right? And around that time, um, one of our uh, burlesque troop mates, her name is Lucky, Lucky Rapscallion, um, she's a Filipino American. She was here in the arts in the art city um, of of Manila. We met. We hit it off right away. Then suddenly, you know, her best friend, who just happened to be mentoring us in the in the Philippines, and she's my she's my first burlesque mentor, Miss Di Lovely. Oh the wow! Beautiful, the oh, beautiful wow. Di Lovely. Um, and upon you know talking to her and, and making that connection. Suddenly, it, it again blew up, you know, um, I, I get Filipinas across the world messaging me, um, wanting to visit, you know, to, to check out the scene here, pre-COVID, of course. Yes, of course. <laughs> check, out yes, the, yes. Yeah, check out the scene here, hold a few workshops, perform in a few shows, you know, just um, get back in touch with the motherland. And yeah. Yeah, it became that thing, you know. It, it, it started from this accident to uh, pioneering something huge <laughs> and having all of these support uh, all all of the support from my from my my girls all mm-hmm. over the world my 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 people all over the world you're based in manila which i imagine is like the most cosmopolitan of cities in the, in the philippines so what is the burlesque scene like in the Philippines? Like, what are the opportunities like to perform? And also, how is the art form received by audiences? Well, right now, honestly, I mean, the scene is pretty dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but pre, pre-COVID, um, pre-COVID, well, the way that our um, little burlesque troupe handled it is it's, a, it's an art form. It's a bit of a, a revolutionary art form. And there's this small area in um, Manila. It's called Makati, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the area where like all of the artists and all of the all of the expats, all of the Fili- how do you pronounce Philippines? You know, all, all mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. the Filipino uh, Filipino artists from all over the world. That's where they all converge and you know just create and create, create their galleries, their restaurants, hotels, um, art spaces where you can just you know, create and showcase mm-hmm. your art form. But it's a, it's a tiny, I mean, you know, it, it's still very uh, third world. It's a developing country. So it's mm-hmm. a tiny 
tiny um what do you call this it's a microcosm mm-hmm. it's a it's a very um what do you call this controlled environment it's a small world where everyone knows everybody um yeah that's the kind of uh, that's how burlesque uh, flourished um around this time in the in the country and sometimes uh, it also has a corporate identity as well um we would get booked for uh, for uh, big shows uh, for shows it, with, with big companies here mm-hmm. in the Philippines there you like the household you know, Procter and Gamble Unilever and the identity there would be very uh, very much like the Christina Aguilera type of burlesque you know Moulin Rouge um, can can there's that and there's also like the artist side of it where you just do everything else that's um, outside of the norm mm-hmm. but it's still very small like the the community is still very very small um we're accepted by the that few um that small crowd in makati city um mm-hmm. as an art form everyone else which is like maybe 90 percent 95 percent of the population still of course um equates it to uh, to what we do to to sex work Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that is one side of it, you know. That 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 is a reality. That that it that is a reality of it. Um, however, um, the se- the type of sex work that Filipinos know here in the Philippines is very disempowered mm. and um, oppressive, you know. Mm. Uh, so, uh, what's the correct word for it? We are bad people, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess that to put it in the simplest terms, yeah, bad yes. people. I imagine it's, uh, it's considered quite taboo. Very taboo. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, in South Africa, I consider South Africans to be uh, quite conservative as well, for the most part. And I feel like when you are in a developing country that is kind of still under this very conservative regime, yes, uh, yes. you know, in society. For me, I find with us, burlesque is actually such a, it's such a powerful element to introduce, an art form to introduce to them. Because for us, like our audiences, I feel like every time we do a show and every time they see a performance, it's an opportunity to educate them. Yes. You know, yes. on a different way of viewing women, on sexualization, on sex work, etc., so I do feel like people, for the most part, are very receptive to it, actually. And you can see that by how it's growing over the years. And how is it for you with the conservative audience there? What is their response when they see a performance or a show? Uh, well, it actually sounds um, almost like um, what, what you said. And I'm happy that the reaction seems to be a, a global thing um most people for most part because we choose to package our shows that way also um burlesque is um it's a chance to empower you know uh, to to uh, show that it's okay to be sexual it's okay to be naked and it's okay to you know have uh imperfections and all kinds of um bodies uh, shapes sizes smells you I know, know at this whatever. point we are also like what are imperfections? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you 
exactly exactly it's a new thing it's a very new thing um for filipinos to uh, to see that you know to see the performer own that and be happy mm-hmm. on stage so um, for the most part because we package it and there's still there's still the few who are you know confused by it definitely mm-hmm. and um, confused by it or you know they 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 look down on us mm. there there's still the few who look down on us when they do see the show that's also brought about like you know there was burlesque here um during the american occupation there was a a type of burlesque here uh there were oh, bur- filipino burlesque queens from mm-hmm. days past here but it was you know it was packaged in such a way that it was oppressive and it was known to be you know um a poor girl from the provinces way of you know getting by mm-hmm. it was viewed that way a long time ago and that's still the the traditional mindset here in in the philippines mm-hmm. so yeah but it's it's a new thing and you know we're we're trying to change it we're trying to uh, to show another aspect of burlesque one step at a time <laughs> yeah and i mean credit to you for doing the work because as i said in my introduction you create fetish art and also work as a professional rope bondage dominatrix. Does this, yes, (laughs) does this uh, influence your style of burlesque? Yes, definitely. I I started, um, I started with BDSM and and I started with kink way before I got into burlesque. So burlesque just seemed like a natural, one of those things that I might as well do. Mm, mm. <laughs> so, um, I mean, the, the burlesque performances would definitely be kink-themed. Like, you know, it would always incorporate self-suspension or, uh, or self-spanking or mm-hmm. uh, spanking the audience or um, what do you call this candle wax mm-hmm. pouring excuse wax me play. pouring wax play. yeah a wax play yeah <laughs> it would definitely incorporate that and all of the you know low flow um, dirty dirty stripper <laughs> dirty, <laughs> dirty stripper moves definitely it's um uh, they are combined <laughs> so together with your mentor Jamaica Hornacion you created aerial bondage, a discipline that combines aerial circus concepts with shibari, the Japanese art of rope bondage. Is there a difference in the way you present an act which involves these skills at a kink event versus when you do it at a burlesque event? Mm, yes, yes, definitely, definitely. So um, in terms of length, um, more often than not, a burlesque, a uh, burlesque performance of aerial bondage would last maybe just around a song, mm-hmm. like five minutes, let's say, five minutes. And it would be more uh, dancey, you know, it would be more more the aerial um, aspect of it, some form of stripping. If I were to put it in a, in a BDSM event, for example, um, it would last a bit longer. I would perhaps focus a bit more on tying also as compared to dancing, just, just dancing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would focus on the technical um, ties of, of rope bondage also, maybe even incorporate someone else, mm-hmm. you know, tying them along the scene literally mm-hmm. <laughs> also with me. Um, and there's a lot more room for um, improv 
in a BDSM experience for me. Like there's an exchange of energy between me and whoever I'm tying. There, there's a bit of improv as compared to maybe a fully choreographed burlesque number. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, In a a previous interview, you mentioned that you have been mistaken for a drag queen as a performer. Yes. (laughs) As people couldn't imagine that an AFAB, for those who don't know, assigned female at birth, like yourself, could be so dominant and confident on a stage. Through your work as a performance artist, are you aware of your role in dismantling these ill-conceived ideas of a woman's place in the world oh my gosh yes again but by it happened again of course by by accident but then i always find myself in a teaching um teaching position mm-hmm. always always you know um i come from a country wherein i can't just perform and you know expect the audience to to understand it i have to i have to also come from a teacher's uh, perspective point of view so um when people here around here in the in manila or in the philippines would would call me a drag queen it's um they they mean it as an insult for example to which you, you know like when when they call me that I, I don't get offended because you know drag queens are are fucking pre- um, am i allowed to say fuck oh hell yeah <laughs> this is what's okay. <laughs> sorry <laughs> Again, there, there's that, that, you know, you're not allowed to cuss on Filipino TV. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, so when, when people call me a drag queen here in the Philippines, they mean that as an insult, when in fact, I don't see it that way at all because they're, you know, some of the most beautiful creatures on earth. And um, there's still that unfortunate, you know, uh, mindset here in the Philippines wherein a woman who is so strong, so dominant, and with this big booming voice that I have, you know, mm. cannot be, cannot be female, cannot be a, a what was the term, AFAB, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. because um, I exhibit such manly characteristics, I must be a man. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to which we respond, no, it's really not the case most of the time, and and I actually believe that there's a lot of. There's a mix of masculine and feminine and everything in between in all people. Mm-hmm. And one part of me is just here to, to show that, to be that, mm-hmm. and to educate through my performance, you know, through, through my Instagram, <laughs> through just being around. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I hope to just make people aware of that. I love that. I love that um, you say that you each opportunity it's a learning it's a chance for someone to learn so you you know you take that on and instead of like being instead of walking away from it you embrace it and 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 use that opportunity to educate yeah yeah where else is it gonna start right yeah exactly and i mean i hear you on that i personally think you have an amazing voice and i love your accent thank you so (laughs) much so layered i love it (laughs) Thank you so much. I like my voice. I don't want, you know, women can have low voices. Yeah. I mean, like, I remember I was that kid in, uh, like, when I was 12, 13 in school. And this is, like, before the boys' voices started breaking. Yeah. And, you know, you have to do the reading to the class that always make you read in public. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I remember, like, actually becoming so shy 
because my voice, it would just reach the back of the classroom. I felt that I had the deepest voice in the class, you know? And it's actually like weird because of all those, the things that society thinks of you, I remember like feeling that way and then kind of taking that with me through my teenage years of like being super self-conscious about like this booming voice that's coming out of me, but there's nothing I can do about it. But now you have a podcast and you sound absolutely delicious. <laughs> I right? found a way to use it. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a lot better on the ears, you know. It's, uh, what's that term? ASMR? Yes. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so, cheers to that. I love, I love for you cheers. using your voice. You too. You, you as well. Thank you for this. <laughs> so, in May of 2017, you performed at the fifth annual Asian burlesque extravaganza in New York yes. City. Yes. How does this experience rank on your list of career highlights? It is on the very top, like among the very top, because that again, you know, again with meeting Dai Lovely, this was me visiting the, the what do you call this? the area, the place in the world where, where Asians converge. And uh, I found another community, like a bigger community. And it was a shared experience with, again, so many layers. It made me grow a lot, a lot more. Like Manila is such a small town. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Manila, you know, I, I love it. Manila is such a small town. But when I went to New York, you know, and I realized so many things. There were shows happening, multiple shows happening every night, everywhere. Um, there were all kinds of performers. And, you know, there, there was a sense of competition. But, like, at the same time, it wasn't, like, the shallow kind that we would have here in, in Manila. It was, how do I say it? Professional. It was professional competition. It was elevated, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, we're, we're a bit petty over here. <laughs> we're a bit <laughs> but also like a great chance to challenge yourself. Yes, yes. I was so pressured. Um, that was the first time that I brought um, Ariel Bondage to the stage, mm -hmm. to uh, the international stage. And I, I think I almost threw up. I was so <laughs> nervous. I was so nervous in the dressing room. And then everyone was just so nice to me. I got to meet... Um, it, of course, calamity. 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 Yeah. It was like you know, she she was like a mom to me. You know, just, she was just taking care of me. I was just, I was, I think I was drunk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just just trying to cope with it with a new thing. You know, with New York. New York is so overwhelming for someone who's never been there before. Yes. I got to meet Coco also. Who, oh wow. Co Coco Ono. Yeah. I mean, there were all of these people who were just unique individuals living their truth mm. in one community you know in, in a shared community mm. and it was it made like all of the the petty infighting and uh, and jealousy that here in manila back then seem so small because mm. you know uh, there i felt like i was part of a bigger thing cool alongside being a burlesque and bdsm performing artist You've also garnered skills in pole dancing and aerial silks. And at the height of the pandemic, your motto to keep moving was a coping mechanism for you. So what is your fitness regime like today? 
Okay, so um, today is my rest day. That's ah. why. On I the get... seventh day, she rests. Yes, exactly. Like, like God, the showgirl must rest. That rest is part of the work. You know, we 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 often forget to to integrate that in our um, fitness regime. But you have to you have to dedicate time to rest. However, and this is like again, um, we're we're in another lockdown right now. We just got into another lockdown right now. But before that, um, I would do. I would do ballet six times a week. So that's Monday to Saturday. Monday to Saturday. And then I would do alternate um, pole, aerial training six days a week. Wow. So, and some form of weights, yeah. I was interested to know because you being a performing artist who does actually like a lot of dynamic strength requiring yeah <laughs> ouch <laughs> Art. <laughs> so yeah okay wow that's amazing i also love that ballet is one of the, one of those because much like burlesque you know when you see ballet uh performances it's so like it's gliding and it feels so effortless yes. and everything it feels light and the same like when you watch a burlesque performance you know people are so mesmerized it's slow moving sometimes or it can be fast paced but it's for a short period of time and people don't actually realize how much you actually have to work at it just to keep yourself fit because it actually is a workout in itself to do that performance yeah it's hard i mean it, i guess it's our job to make it look easy and effortless but those are the hardest things to do to make something look easy <laughs> yeah 100 yeah. percent. so one of my other favorite quotes of yours in reference to 2020 and that being the height of the pandemic oh, is yeah. that in our industry we have no choice but to thrive so on your patreon you created a lecture the art of online stripping and a movement and mindset class called the lovers striptease can you yes. give us an overview of what these offerings entail so yes those things happen during the height of the pandemic um and i found myself um getting into all of these virtual shows i guess one of the good things that happened um during the pandemic is that there were no longer any time zones. There were no longer any borders, you know, as long as we were all on Zoom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So but with that, though, like um, most people aren't very familiar with 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 doing shows online. I guess now 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 we are more familiar. But during the height of the pandemic, you know, everyone just sort of got into it out of necessity. So I wanted to serve as a guide again to the people who were entering it and also so i can also have clear boundaries for myself mm -hmm. so the art of online stripping it dissects that you know how how do we do it online what are the technical um the technical requirements for example how do you make your video look nice um cost costume wise costume wise also um sometimes you know the costumes that look nice on stage in person doesn't necessarily look nice in zoom right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. so uh, those technical things so there was also this massive um massive purge in social media like i i think i lost my facebook around that time i, I don't know if 
if you also experience that I, I saw I saw my international contacts experiencing it also like their pages would shut would suddenly be taken down mm-hmm. photos videos would be reported mm-hmm. I, so I also experienced that like um, heavy censorship on Facebook and Instagram so I also discussed that in in the art of online stripping that you know you will be subject to that mm-hmm. also um, it's po- it's possible that you will be uh, what do you call this? Uh, flagged for yeah. sex work yeah. and nudity and you know sexual solicitation, all all of those things. So it was this. Um, it was sort of this guide, anywhere from preparing for the Zoom show, uh, making sure you have stable internet because also in the Philippines we have the worst internet in the world. <laughs> you know, so you know from the from the things like you know technical preparations to you know um, legalities. Yes, um, lover striptease also. Um, it's it actually goes hand in hand with with that. Lover striptease is um, it's a half fifty percent lecture and fifty percent movement mm-hmm. class. So there's a um, there's a nice little choreography that we do at the end. But first, um, it's uh, also about communicating basically communicating properly with your lover mm-hmm. and if your lover is your yourself you know we do that too the, the workshop is also open to um to single those single people mm-hmm. um, it's about um again um writing down um making yourself and and whoever you are with aware of your wise, your boundaries, your limits, your expectations when it comes to um, stripping for your lover. You know, it more than stripping clothes, it's to reveal the most vulnerable parts of yourself, which are not necessarily physical. Oh, wow. And then we get into the dance. <laughs> you know, so uh, after all of that, because um, that's how I, I, I do it with my long-term partner. You know, we talk about everything we mm-hmm. talk about everything and then you know he gets he gets a nice little lap dance <laughs> and i realized that most people don't do that they just you know sort of jump in the lap dance or you know com- don't do anything at all anymore i i am an advocate of really communicating you know communicating your wants your desires your vulnerabilities because i think that's that makes stripping easier and more liberating. That is stripping, you know, in the sense of the word. Yeah. (laughs) So those are two. Thank you. (laughs) They both sound super intriguing and very informational and very necessary. Necessary, yes, definitely in in this side of the world, (laughs) at least. Yeah. You kind of alluded to every now and again about censorship in the Philippines. And I know that even something like Patreon is something that's not necessarily available in the Philippines and one actually has to do one of those IP address roundabout (laughs) things in order to get one. (laughs) So like, how do you overcome any kind of censorship that is put on, on the art forms that you choose to make your living in, in the Philippines? Well, um, right now, or actually, it's all I word things with how with how I explain things. Um, for example, um, when I'm explaining my my art form to 
to a big corporate traditional company, mm-hmm. you know, I would say that it's an art form. Like I, I would begin with, it's an art form, it's a performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't use the word stripping mm-hmm. for sex work. I wouldn't say it that way. I wouldn't even sometimes say burlesque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because burlesque is, you know, um, also a, a taboo word in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. I would say, I would refer perhaps to um, to Crazy Horse Paris because, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of colonial mentality here in the Philippines. So when they say, when, when they hear Paris, oh, wow, that's so, you know, <laughs> expensive. Mm-hmm. I would use that to my advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, you know, that, that's still the case for me to get um, more, uh, more work here in the Philippines. I would say those things, you know, and I would use, I would even use, I have a corporate name also. I have a corporate name in case they intend to search me um, because, you know, my, my work is everywhere online. Yes. So I would give them a different name. Oh, wow. I would have to go. Yeah, yeah. It's, I love that kind of. It's also quite saucy. A pseudonym. Yeah. <laughs> a pseudonym. I'll give you a pseudonym. It, you know, it involves a lot of, you know, how you package things, how you word things, explain things. Even with a presentation deck, for example, I would... It would be all sparkly, glittery, um, Vegas showgirl. There, I would say Vegas showgirl also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were, you know, if I were trying to get the gigs like those. However, you know, again in Makati City, where we're we're a bit more free and we're a bit more liberated, I could just say strip, yeah, stripper. Yeah, you know, I could just say strip tease. <laughs> I could just, you know, I could just say I, I bang my vulva to the ground. You know, I could yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, you could insert cash in my G-string. I, I could just say that um, in certain parts in, in our bubble. There mm-hmm. you go. That's the term. And in the bubble of Makati City. Everywhere else, you know, I'd have to package it neatly and nicely and tie it with a red satin bow. <laughs> well, I think that's very smart, hey? <laughs> to be. <laughs> <laughs> Not just a pretty face. The girls got book smart, too. We have to be or else we will not thrive. <laughs> yes, as we should be. <laughs> so to wrap us up, Joyen, what exciting ventures do you have planned for 2022? So many things are planned. So many things are planned for 2022. Yet we are spending our first month in lockdown mm-hmm. <laughs> because of the, uh, was this, the Omicron virus. Yes. Oh, gosh. Our burlesque classes. Um Right now, it's virtual, of course, again, mm-hmm. um, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Manila time. And, you know, my, my students, we were planning this sort of um, amateur night. You mm-hmm. know, once once the the virus dies down again, it, it, it comes in waves, right? Mm-hmm. So once it dies down, we're planning to have a to put on a nice little show at the at the bar, have the, you know, have them have them perform the choreographies that I taught over the years um, that's going to be a thing mm-hmm. we have a nice little burlesque night um, as for me um, it's still you know mostly training six times a week almost every day I do want to come up with a, a live in-person show of the champagne club it's an uh, it's this nice um, strip club experience that um, that Jamaica and I founded virtually um last year and now we kind of want to launch it we want to launch it in person when the omicron variant 
um, stays the hell down. <laughs> we, mm -hmm. we want to launch that. Um, it's going to feature like highly, our most technical, you know, our most technical um, performances um, and also the sexiest um, that Beast House, my, my home studio, has to offer. Um, yeah. Very, so, very cool. For now, for now, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joyen, where would you like us to follow and support the work that you do? Okay, so um, while it's not taken down, I am on Instagram. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's at Joyen Joyen. Um, I hope it's going to be there for a while. I'm trying to post really safe stuff mm. but if you want the goods you know the goods are on my patreon um also at joy and joy and um uh, while i'm still there i i, I already got a couple of warnings <laughs> also <laughs> which probably means you know that's good content because yeah. i'm getting flagged <laughs> they're noticing I'm who you are. you are yeah <laughs> you're noticing all the nudity it's mm -hmm. on my patreon yeah so far i have um those two and my website um joy and joy and .com. Okay. While it's still there, yeah. Cool. So, listeners, please go out and follow Joyen and just like keep her pages alive and keep the girl thriving. <laughs> I just want to take this moment to say thank you, Joyen, for joining me on this episode of What's the Tease. You have been an excellent person to interview, like truly intriguing, and like I love your energy. So, thank you so much. Thank you also, Pillow Talk. I love this interview. Thank you so much for researching all of the stuff. Oh, Yay. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>